Um, our speaker tonight is Anne. I met her at the Widening the Gateway meeting, and she's got like a million years of sobriety, but she always managed to bring it back to the primary purpose. She always manages to bring it back to why we are here, which is to quit drinking and to find a way to live with continuing to not drink, uh, which is important because I think it's a message that often gets lost. So, Anne, it is all you, darling. Thank you for coming. Okay, thank you. I'm Anne. I'm an alcoholic, and thanking, um, thank you for uh, asking me to join you. Um, yeah. So again, I'm Anne. I'm an alcoholic. Um, you know, I was kind of chuckling when Megan, when you texted me the information. You said this was uh, something like an old-fashioned speakers meeting. Well, when I came in, this was not old-fashioned. This was very much um a way of you know th there were many 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 meetings like this where it was just a speaker sometimes uh there was two speakers to fill up the time and um so i felt i was chuckling because it felt much like when when i was working and people uh people were talking about people that i was working with were saying that music from the 80s were were the oldies and um you know and i I go back a little further than that, you know, so, but, you know, the, the reason I say that, you know, all, you know, how everything is relative, you know, like I came in at a certain time and things were done a certain way. Somebody else comes in at a different time and things are done another way. But with AA, the program hasn't changed. Um, and, and I think that's why for me, it's so important for me to remember why I am here. And that was so, it is so that I continue to learn how to not to drink a day at a time. It's the only reason I'm here. Um, I did not come in to get a better life. I did not to come, come in to get a better God. I did not come in, you know, for, for whatever reason. I, I actually came in to um, help my partner stop drinking. I found out I probably should have went to Al-Anon. Um, but I came into AA and I, you know, to help her because she had the problem. And um, and I found out I was an alcoholic, <laughs> you know, so. Um, so I guess I can tell you about myself, you know, and I know what we do in AA is we uh, these are the things that don't change. I'll tell you about what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And that is that's what I learned. and. I know that people still do that. So um, I uh, I grew up um, in an old-fashioned family, I guess, even for the 50s and 60s. They were pretty old-fashioned. And um, I grew up uh, where my father was an alcoholic and my mother, I'm still unsure. Uh, but it was mostly my father's alcoholism, I guess, in hindsight, now that I can say, affected my growing up years. Um, at the time, I thought it was normal. You know, I just figured everybody's father was like that. And uh, I knew it was uncomfortable, but I just really didn't, you know, I didn't really give it much thought about why he acted the way that he did. Um, again, it was it's only much later. Um, since I'm in recovery, you could say that I, I learned more about that. But being 
being honest with you, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> you know, he, in my opinion, he was a horrible man. And, um, you know, things happen in alcoholic homes all the time. And then there's things that happen in homes that um, uh, shouldn't happen, whether whether there's alcoholism in the home or not. So um, I, that's all I'll say about that. So it was it was kind of like a rough, a rough childhood. Um, but I, like I said, I didn't know that. I uh, I grew up um, it, like in a middle class family. I guess I was provided for. Um, you know, got everything I needed as far as education, clothing, food. You know, never wanting, um, but never feeling like I belonged. You know, and I I didn't know how to say those words when I was a child growing up or in high school, whatever. It, I only learned those words um, again coming to AA. You know that. Um, that I just, I just never felt like I belonged. Um, it was, and you know, but I had, I had some good, like I enjoyed, I enjoyed high school and, uh, I only realized perhaps going into recovery that, um, I enjoyed high school so much because I didn't have to be myself. I was athletic. I could be very involved. I was, you know, pretty smart. I had good grades. I could pretty, if, and it was a great way to get out of the house. I was allowed to do anything, anything, as long as it was school related. So it was a great way to get out of the house. And, um, you know, so those those years, I still have fond memories of them. And it was a long, long time ago. Um, you know, but what happened um, when my life started to change was, um, well, actually, even high school, I, I had wanted to go to a public high school and um, my parents weren't having any of that. I ended up going to a Catholic high school because that's where they wanted me to go. And, um, but I did end up enjoying it, but I, it was like um, not having any input into, um, into my future, I guess that affected me. And then uh, leaving high school, I wanted to go to, uh, there was a few colleges upstate New York and, um, and they, basically quashed that and I end up going to Brooklyn and um I live on Long Island. It was a heck of a trip. That's all I can say. It was it took me forever to get back and forth. And uh there was very few connecting trains from where I lived. So you know there was a you know just it was just a mess. And I was and I didn't um at the time uh I had no exposure to any kind of any other culture to uh, you know to tell you the truth other than white middle class Long Island everybody looked like me everybody thought like me everybody went to the same church as me um those were the people that I knew and that was my whole world my whole world and so then I stepped into Brooklyn and it was like I was in outer space because people didn't look like me they didn't talk like me they they didn't go to the same church I went to. It was very, very diverse. And it was also the early 70s. And um, I was exposed to campus life in a way that I had never, ever, ever um, experienced. Um, and it was great. You know, I, I loved it. I fell right into it. And I also, uh, like my first year of college, I actually did pretty good, you know, academically, athletically. I, I actually did pretty good. Um, I don't know why, but um, when I was about 19, I started going to the pub that they had there. 
on the corner. It was City University. So they didn't have um, bars on the campus. They called them Red Skillers at the time. And uh, they didn't have them because it was a city university, uh, like a lot of the other colleges. Um, you know, you could go to a bar right on campus. And um, so I, ha I had to walk all the way across the street. And, um, and, you know, and I fell right into that, too. And it didn't take very long um, before I no longer cared about, you know, athletics and grades. And I cared more about being with the new friends that I found and drinking. And um, I didn't realize, I think today I, I can recognize as what I did was what I lost leaving high school, I replaced with alcohol in college because I, it wasn't easy for me to make friends when I went to college in this, like this new, like out of space world that I was in. But when I went drinking with these people, it was much, much easier. And it started a pattern in my life that, um, you know, just it just continued on for, for years and years and years. And, and I know today that's not to say I didn't become become an alcoholic when I went to college. I believe I already was an alcoholic who just hadn't put alcohol in my body yet. And uh, so when I when I started to do that, it didn't take very long for things to get out of control once the alcohol went inside my body. And um, and I went from a pretty good student, a pretty good athlete to basically pretty much uh, fail, failing out of college. But as a good alcoholic, I my solution to that was to drop out before I got thrown out. And um, so I... I took a year off, so to speak, and um, somehow, some way, this part of my memory is a little foggy, but I managed to get doctor's notes to get back into school, and I, I don't remember how I did that or what I told them, but uh, so I got back into school, and uh, that particular year, because I knew I was on a probation, I, I really didn't drink much, and um and you can tell which year that was when you look at my transcript. And uh, I, I still find that amazing. It's just so obvious. But uh, so what happened was, though, pretty much except for that time, that year, I guess it was, um, I drank from the time I was 19 until somewhere in my 40s. I would have to do the math, but somewhere in my 40s, pretty much every day, just because you know, because that's what I did, you know, and um, and I can tell you that, you know, things happen along the way. Um, you know, like I can remember like being 20 years old when sometimes when I see really young women in meetings and they'll be talking about some of the things that I did. This is how I recognized it. I was like about 20 years old two o'clock in the morning, sitting in downtown Brooklyn. Now, if you're not from that area, I mean, that could be like downtown, bad town, like no matter no matter what town you're in, you know, you just didn't want to be there 20 years old, two o'clock in the morning, waiting for a train that I I didn't know was going to come or not. And I was drunk. And, um, you know, and I can remember some of the, the security around the area, they would sometimes tell me to sit in a certain area, you know, like, I guess to be safer and things like that. But it never dawned on me 
it never ever dawned on me that I was putting my safe, myself in very unsafe situations because of alcohol, because that's what I was doing. I mean, I didn't have any classes, you know, after midnight to be waiting for a, <laughs> to be waiting for a train at two o'clock in the morning. So, and that's, I think the bars at that time closed around one or two o'clock. So I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's why I was there so late. And, um, you know, but I don't think I had classes after four. I don't even know if I had them that late in the day. But um, so anyway, so I would do things like that. I would do things like um, I can remember, you know, just walking around, um, you know, the area around the college in, in Brooklyn, totally drunk, falling down on the streets, like, again, about 20 years old. You know, not thinking that that was a problem and, um, you know, getting thrown out of places that I didn't belong. I, You know, and maybe I belong there, but I didn't belong there in the condition that I was in. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it was just a life like that. And then, of course, there's the horror stories. You know, there was the car accidents. There was... Um, situations without going into detail I don't think I need to situations that I felt uh you know I I found myself in when I would wake up in the morning and say oh fuck you know now what now maybe now I'll stop but you know what it it like it wasn't like I had to stop drinking it was I had to stop that behavior like that's in, that was in my mind why do I keep doing this like because I had no connection like in my mind that alcohol could have had anything to do with do with that there had to be something wrong inside of me that I would keep putting myself in these situations and um and it was just it just was a horrible way to to live but I didn't know it at the time I thought you know this is life this is how everybody's living and and it wasn't it wasn't that way it wasn't you know everybody wasn't living that way and um you know and you know, and I, I, I heard, I've heard people say, you know, when they finished college, their friends, you know, went out and got jobs and everything. And, you know, and I, I just stayed in the bars, you know, and um, I was a big bar drinker. And that's pretty much how my life went for my whole adulthood. And um, met my partner in a bar. Um, fortunately, we're still together. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's, it was just a lifestyle. But I, again, I'll repeat it. I had no connection that the way I was living my life had anything that, that alcohol was controlling anything that was, you know, not good in it. And, um, and I, you know, I, I couldn't hold jobs for very long. And I, I thought, you know, well, I'll just, I'll just keep changing my job. You know, like I thought I would just like to do different things. That wasn't it. Um, you know, like I can see it now that I just, you know, I just couldn't. I just couldn't last long enough. And um, and I also couldn't find jobs in the in the area areas that I was um educated in. You know, there was cutbacks at the time, there was, you know, so I had all kinds of excuses, you know, because I, I just had nothing but bad luck. So I might as well just go to the bar and drink. If you had my life, you'd be drinking with me. And um, and you know, the funny thing is I've learned in that NAA some of you were drinking with me and um and 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 yet here we are you know so go figure but um you know it's funny I'll just interject me I just I, I met somebody through my sponsee I met another woman who was very active in service 
And she said to me, man, I know you from somewhere. You said, it's many years ago, but I, I don't remember where. And I said, well, maybe from meetings early on or something like that. It turns out we were literally drinking it because we kept talking and talking. We were we were drinking in the same bar at the same time. It's just so many years later, we didn't recognize who we were. Then we did, you know, so I, it just goes to show you that uh, AA makes our world smaller. So, um, so anyway, to get back on my story. So I, uh, you know, I, I just... You know, I, I was aimless and purposeless, I guess, you know, until my mid-20s. And um, I I did get a job um, that I, I, it was a teaching job. And I, I actually left the job because it was just, it really was getting in the way of my drinking. And I, and it was, I knew that if I stayed there, there was going to come a point where I was probably going to get fired. I wasn't like on probation or anything like that but I knew that it was coming and um because I because of the behavior you know like just not showing up for work um being not responsible with some of the things you know my performance and, and things like that and um you know closing my <laughs> running a study hall closing my eyes and falling asleep you know like that kind of thing and um and but more not showing up and and you know, so I left and I, you know, and I, I got jobs in other areas where I was way, way too underpaid and way too, you know, over, uh, underemployed, I guess. And I don't say that to, to, you know, to brag or anything, but I, uh, but I had a college degree and I was, you know, working in places that barely required high school. And, um, but it was spending money. That's all I needed. I just needed money to be able to go out and drink. Because that was the only thing that was important. And I wasn't responsible for anything. And um, what happened was, so that's how my life continued until, uh, I, I guess, my maybe around 30. And um, by that time, I had been in the relationship that I'm in now. And I had uh, I had gone home one night and... I didn't even know it, but my suitcases were packed and at the front door. I just went in, went to bed like usual, and, and you know, like two days passed. And then my partner finally said, you didn't even notice. And I'm like, notice what? She goes, those are your suitcases. And I was like, oh, why are they there? She said, open them up. I opened them up and they're packed. She said, because they're packed for you to take somewhere else. It's, you know, um, I can't, I can't do this. She said, I want to stay sober. And you being here doing what you're doing is jeopardizing my sobriety something like that she said so uh i was like you know i you know i'll go i'll go to aa with you you know and i had been to some meetings with her you know so i knew that i would you know i stopped for a day or two before i can stop again you know and um so i started again I shouldn't even really say again, but I, I started to go to AMA meetings, but I didn't go like um, on a regular basis or anything. I just figured like, I'll go. I won't drink for a little while. Um, I'll get cleaned up, you know, and uh, and everything will be okay. And um, And what happened was I went for 
maybe like less than 30 days and I started drinking again. And um, but I thought that that was okay because I I mean, there was a couple of weeks there where I didn't drink. So things were getting better. And. Uh, you know, so it really it was okay to drink again. And um, because obviously that wasn't the problem, because look, I'm okay now. Like I still couldn't make a connection. And um, so I I started, you know, going sporadically to AA I, um to AA. And then I was confronted again and I said, okay, okay, I'll go. I'll I'll go to AA every day. And and I started going and um and counting days and you know, and this is a two part of my story. I was going to the meetings, going to the meetings. And then, you know, it, it came close to a year. And um, somebody said to me, oh, you must be celebrating soon. You must have a year anniversary soon. And I was like, celebrating, what does that even mean? So, you know, she told me and it dawned on me that those meetings that I was going to, the beginners meetings, when people were raising their hands saying 30 days, 60 days, People were raising their hands because they weren't drinking. I was raising my hand because it was just like I had gone to that many meetings. I didn't really get that people weren't drinking, you know, like all those days in a row. I was able to get a few days and then I would drink a few days more and then I would drink, maybe, you know, drink a few days, go back again, that kind of thing. But I kept counting, you know, because I had come to AA like 30 days ago. I had come to AA 60 days ago. And um, and it took me a while to 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 get that, that that AA was here for people that don't want to drink. And um, so I was feeling a bit uncomfortable with that because I wasn't sure that I really didn't want to drink. I didn't know that I didn't have to drink like you. That was almost like asking, you know, ask me to do anything. I will do anything. Just don't ask me to not drink. That was just asking me to you know, like do the impossible. And um, so I, I really didn't get any kind of like firm foundation. My foundation was not made out of bedrock. It was made out of sand. Um, I did not talk to, uh, I did not talk to many people at all, let alone women, like on the phone. No, get a sponsor. No, you know, just make friends. No, don't need that. And, um, but I, I did go to meetings. That was probably the only thing I did consistently for the, maybe like, after I realized people weren't drinking, I, um, I I continued to go then to meetings, but I could not stay sober. And um, eventually I realized some time had passed where I wasn't drinking. And I think it might have been about three or four years or five years. I'm not really sure because that time of my, it kind of all gets blurred together still. Um and but what happened, I do remember what happened was after having some time away from a drink, uh, and I know this doesn't happen to everybody, but it did happen to me. I started having memories of my childhood and flashbacks. And um, and I know it was at a point where I probably had more sobriety than I had ever had. It wasn't like a long time, but it was more than I ever had. And I I was starting to build a foundation. But it 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 just it wasn't firm. And and I knew I knew that I was going to um hurt myself. Like I just knew that
that there was just no way that I could deal with this. Like I thought I was going crazy. I was going out of my mind, you know, and, and there was just, there was just no way I could just couldn't do this anymore. And I, it's probably the only time I, I could say that I'm grateful that I grew up in the religion that I grew up with because it was a sin if we committed, if you commit suicide. So I knew I really couldn't commit suicide. I knew I couldn't kill myself. So what else was left? I'll just drink. And then I drank with a vengeance. I think m more of a vengeance than I had ever had to drink before. Not that I had to drink then, but I just didn't know what else to do. I, I was My intention was to go out for a day or two, just get past this hump where I felt like this, like that the life wasn't worth living. And you know, I'll deal with it and then I'll go back to AA. And then if I, if I need extra help, I heard, cause I've heard people talking about, they go to therapy for things like this too. And, it, you know, if it's that bad, then maybe I'll go to therapy. And, um, and that was my intention. And for the next 11 years after that, I never got more, you know, than little bits of time. It was just back and forth and back and forth. But the one thing that was consistent was that women in AA, I went to women's meetings. I did go to mixed meetings too. And they were all tradition meeting, traditional meetings, not secular meetings. But the one thing that was consistent for me, there was a group of women, a, a small handful of women. I didn't know it at the time, but they stuck close to me. They, they, they put in the effort to help me stay sober. I didn't know that that's what they were doing. They stayed close. They called me. They did all the things that I couldn't do for myself. They did for me. And and I continued I just continued to drink and they and they were they were kind of like, you know, holding me. And I didn't realize it at the time. I was like, why do they keep bothering me? You know, they're just like oh. God, here she is. They want me to go to the diner again. I went with them last week, you know, and like all this kind of stuff. And um, but no matter what I did, no matter what I said, they said, yeah, you know, come with us. They said, come with us. They said, keep going to meetings. You know, even if you do, I was like, I feel like crap. I can't stop drinking this. It's OK. It's OK. Just come to a meeting, you know, and. And, you know, that saying, when your ass is full and off, put it in the bag and bring it to a meeting. Like they would tell me things like that. Pick up your ass, put it in the bag and come. And I started to get days then, like days in a row. And I started to see there was a particular women's meeting that I went to. And I started to see that when I went there, I really didn't want to drink that day. I really wanted to be present in that meeting. But I, the problem with alcoholism was I couldn't pick and choose the days that I could stay sober. But I started to find with that particular meeting, for some reason, I was able to do it. And I asked the woman to be my sponsor. And, and it did help. But, you know, we spoke pretty much every day. Um, I still continue to drink at times. And, you know, and, and I learned, I learned things, I learned how to be more responsible. And one of the, one of the, even though I was drinking, one of the things that I remember most that, that impressed me the most is that we had a snowstorm here in, in the winter one time. And, uh, and it was a big storm. And Friday night was a meeting night. And I called her, I said, I guess we're not going to the meeting tonight, right? The church is going to be closed. She said, Oh, no. She said, I have two shovels in my car. You know, we're, we're going to go and open the door. 
And I was like, who's going who's gonna to go to a meeting in a snowstorm? She said, we are, and we're going to wait and see if anybody else shows up. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, but you know what? She came, she picked me up, and we went, and I helped her, I helped her shovel. The two of us shoveled, and about three people showed up. You know, but it but it taught me, like, you know, when we can, we keep the doors of AA open because you don't know if somebody else is going to show. I didn't want to go, but maybe somebody else wanted to go, you know. And um, so we did that. And that to that that was probably 30 years ago. And I remember it like it was like it, it could have been happened yesterday. And um, because it taught me, it taught me a lot. And that's what the women did for me in AA. They even though I was drinking, like they they were like, just, it's okay. Just do what we do. You know, just do what we do. And sometimes they would mention to me, you know, pray. And I'd be like, fuck that. And then they would say, okay, then just, you know, then don't pray. Just come to a meeting, you know? And so I was very lucky in that way. But um, eventually what happened was I was, I, I think I might've shared this with some of you that I was in a meeting one day. Oh, no, it was, I wasn't in the meeting yet. I, it was, getting near near the end of this 11-year journey that I was on, thinking that I could have the best of both worlds, and I realized I couldn't. It was just too hard to continue to drink and and then go sit in a meeting where I saw people, because I was believing that by that time that people weren't drinking, and I was trying not to, and I couldn't do it. And I was realizing, like, holy crap, I really can't stop drinking. I thought I would quit when it really got that bad, but it you know, it got that bad and it got worse. You know, it's like those stories, like if I went into details, I've heard women share and men share too. And you think that would have been enough. Well, I have a lot of those. You think that would have been enough and it never was. And th- and that's when I realized that, like, holy shit, like, I just can't stop. Like, like now, now I'm fucked. That was, you know, that was what like was in my mind. Like, that's it. I'm really screwed now. Now I really blew it. And thinking that I still had some sort of control over this and that. So I told the same woman who brought me to the meeting to shovel that time uh, that I can't do both. I just can't. I'm going to I can't do both. I'm going to keep drinking and I'm not going to go to AA anymore. And then I asked her if she had any suggestions and she said, um, you know, any or, or better ideas. And she said, I'll go to a meeting with you. And I was like, I just lost it on her. I like I just. I kind of like I verbally threw up all over her that she didn't understand me. She didn't know what was going on. I just told her that I I couldn't stop drinking. And and why would I want to do that? You know, and like, like I, I told you, I can't stop drinking. Why are you telling, you know, so why are you telling me all this stuff basically? And she was like, I'm not asking you to stop drinking. I would never ask you to stop drinking. I don't have that kind of power, but I will go to a meeting with you. She said, you asked me for a suggestion. It's the only thing I know that works. So we went to a meeting. I said, all right, one more time. One more time. I will go with you to a meeting, and it's going to be my last meeting ever, ever. I won't, I'm not even going to go to people's anniversaries. I'm just never going to go again. And um, so I went, and in that meeting, there was a woman who shared that she was an alcoholic. She identified herself as an alcoholic. And she said she was an alcoholic because when she was drinking when she didn't want to drink. And when she wanted to stop, she couldn't stop. She had no control over what was going, you know, how much alcohol she was putting in, a bo- in her body once she started. She came to AA. 
she worked the program, she did the steps and blah, blah, blah. And now today she had she doesn't have to drink. And it was just a short little, like a two-minute share, probably, maybe not even. And I was like, I looked at my sponsor, I said, that is it. That that's that's it. And like, I don't even know what struck. Now you figure I, oh, and during those 11 years, I didn't go to one meeting a day. I probably went to, I went, I went to at least two, three meetings a day. And there were days I went to four. They had meetings back to back to back all the time. And I would just stay. And I still couldn't stop drinking. I had coffee commitments, didn't stop drinking, like things like that, you know? And, um, you know, so, but that one moment, you know, you figure all these thousands and thousands of meetings. I had to have heard somebody had to have said something <laughs> very similar to that at least once or twice. You figure all those years, all those meetings, and I never, I never heard it. And that particular day, when I had totally, completely given up, you know that it was. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was giving up that I had any more control any 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 control over my alcoholism my alcohol intake or anything i just like that's it i'm just going to drink for the rest of my life and i think that that was my my surrender without knowing it and i went to the meeting i heard her and i haven't had a drink since and i don't even know if i saw that woman ever again you know but i you know that's not what was important her message was important and um and I haven't had to have a drink since then. And and I can tell you that, you know, I did work the steps to the best of my ability. Some of the stuff I did, like I did, a, I did a few fourth steps and I just, I couldn't like really get through them. I did it with a therapist, you know, and that one seems to have worked because I'm not drinking. Um, and, you know, so there's like, and I, and it, I don't even know if, if that's, I don't even really believe I should say that that's really important how I did it or how I worked my steps, but I can tell you that I did do them to the best of my ability. And my life did change after that. Um, I still have, um, I still have, uh, I go to a lot of therapy. Um, there's, I still have like issues, you know, like, uh, I guess post traumatic stress or whatever, you know, but. Um, therapy, therapy worked for me then it works for me now why stop you know going to meetings worked for me then works for me now why stop um, like I'm a strong believer in that um, and that's why you know I said like I I don't stay because it's true like I don't want my life to get better I don't want to drink because I believe strongly that if I don't drink I, I have a shot to have a better life you know and I feel that 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 message does get lost. You know, I hear people talk about do steps one, two, and three. It was, I'm like, nah, do how about one? How about one, dude? Like, just do one, you know? And uh, because if I pray first and I still drink, that prayer didn't do me much good. That's how I believe. And, and if I, but if I don't drink and I don't pray, I'm still not drunk, you know? Like, that's just how, how I believe that. And if step if if step two and three were as important as step one, step one wouldn't be step one. It would be step three and two and three would be before it. That's my take on it. And, um, you know, so that would that's kind of, and that's what kept me sober. I started to realize that, um, you know, I came in as a practicing Catholic and I 
ended up, you know, AA taught me that it was that same traditional AA was teaching me it's okay. Not that it's okay, but that I didn't believe in God. Like, you know, that it was just like I no longer could. I, I, it just didn't make sense anymore when I got sober. The things that I had been clinging to, the things that I, the things that I believed in the most were the things that scared the crap out of me the most too. And, and it's taken a very long time because I didn't find, it's been difficult for me to find um, like secular support, you could say, because, and even when I, even when I would try to say, like, I don't know if I'm really an atheist or an agnostic. I just know that I don't believe what you're telling me, you know, and and, you know, I wouldn't get like support like like, oh, like, all right, just keep, you know, keep searching. It would be like, oh, but you will someday, you know, and that would turn me off even more like like, why? Why do I have to? And then eventually, after many, many years, you know, when one of my uh, a t- time later when I had a different sponsor, she would say, well, you know what, Why not? maybe it's your job in meetings to just remind people that, like, if you don't believe in God, you still don't have to drink. Like, you know, like, what's the difference, whether you believe in God or not? You know, we come to AA because we don't want to drink. And that's how that stuck in my mind, because I could not stop drinking and I could no longer believe in God. But damn it, I wasn't going to drink. Like, you know, so like that's how that became the bedrock of my like that foundation that I'm talking about, because it was something and it was a, it was a spiritual experience as defined in AA, because I was doing, thinking, feeling, seeing all of these things that I could not do, think, see, feel on my own. I was doing it with AA. I wasn't agreeing with everybody and people weren't agreeing with me, but I was not drinking. And and that I could not do that on my own. And so so I stayed, I stayed and I just held on and I fought and then I just got tired of fighting. And I said, I don't have to explain anymore. I just don't. And I hate to say this, but <laughs> gratefully, we had the pandemic. And and I guess I just start, I started to search out of the meetings and that's what I'm grateful for that I did like virtually start to search out of me and it still took a few years I heard something about um secular meetings on zoom and I and I started to go and that was only a short while ago and now I'm even more convinced that I only want to come here because I don't want to drink and I doesn't really matter you know um I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to end up, um, you know, I, there's so many meetings in secular AA where people say they talk more about God in secular AA than in traditional meetings. And I can understand it. And there's a lot of anger and I can understand that because I was in that place. And, and yet I don't want to be in the place where I'm judging other people for the same thing or I guess the opposite belief, but the same, the same idea, like they were judging me, I don't want to judge them back. You know, I don't want to be judging on them. Um, You know, because the important thing is, even if they do believe in God, they don't have to drink. And I've told people that, you know, it's like, you know, you know, that it's, it's okay, if you believe in God, you still don't have to drink, you know, and, um, you know, so that's, to me, the most important thing, to me, that is why why I come to AA, you know, because 
I could I could go like I could join other clubs, so to speak, for fellowship. I could belong to many different organizations for fellowship, sisterhoodship, whatever we want to call it, right? I do belong to some of those things, but none of those things is gonna is gonna keep me sober. I, I'm absolutely certain of it. I'm absolutely certain of it, you know, that um it's just not going to happen because I'm not going to be reminded on a daily basis that I don't have to drink. I still need to be reminded of that every day. Like, you know, I like to wake up in the morning and go to a meeting so that AA is in my head before I am. And I like to go to a meeting later at night so that when I when I try to go to sleep, AA is in my head and I'm not. You know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes I have good days. Sometimes I have bad days. But the most important thing to me, again, is not drinking. I do sponsor somebody um, who's going through mental health issues. I'm not a doctor. Um, it, it's been very sad for me to watch her go through what she's going. And people are judging because they think she's not working her program. <laughs> and I'm sorry, she's, she is working her program. And that's why she's going through mental health issues. Um, without drinking and drugging, you know, she because she is working her program, you know, she she has a mental a mental health diagnosis, and it's quite severe. And things, you know, she was fine. Like it was like one, you know, one day her medication stopped working, and um, so it's been it's been quite a trip for her since that time. And you know, it's like I'm like, well, you know what, AA AA is what has prepared her to go through this sober. You know, it's like she's going through that and she's still sober. So why why is everybody like looking? Why are we looking for reasons why things happen? And um, I don't I, I really don't know what else to say. Like my life is good. I can tell you about more about myself. If tell an alcoholic they can talk for an hour and it's like, holy shit about themselves. So, um, <laughs> so what I do now is like, because, um, because with some of those issues that I had, I found it difficult to be around people without having anxiety. And so it became a little difficult to work. And I found a lot of peace and serenity in gardening and mostly vegetable gardening. And, um, I would bring stuff to my home group. And the women there said, you should start, you should open up like a farm stand or something. And I took their advice and I started selling my stuff at a farmer's market. I opened, uh, I opened up a small business and, um, you know, and that's what I do now. Uh, I, you know, I'm done with all the other kind of trying to fit in. Don't really care. Uh, and I, I don't want to isolate. I realize that I'm a social being and to be healthy, I probably need social beings in my life, but I'm, I'm not forcing it. Um, I'm going to go where I'm comfortable. Um, I don't go to in-person meetings anymore because I, basically to tell you the truth, because I don't have to, because I have Zoom and, and I think it is the same. I believe it is the same and I'm sober a long time and yet things would have done differently in person. But I don't care because I'm so, I'm still sober. If if Zoom wasn't working, I mean, after I think after three years I'd be drunk. If I didn't go to meetings for three years, right, I'd probably be drunk. But I'm not, you know. So 
so my life is good today. And, um, and I'm still with the same person that I was with all those years ago. We were going into our 30, 43rd year together. And um, so we're happy about that. And, um, you know, I guess one of the things we wanted to do was get old and get sober together. And we've done that. Um, we can't reverse time, but, but we uh, we can we can move forward sober together. And um, and I guess I guess I can stop there. I don't really know what else to say. So uh, thanks for letting me share. <laughs>